You are listening to a Ruth Millington Extreme Holidays podcast. Extreme stories from extraordinary destinations as told by intrepid world travellers. Presented by travel writer and adventure junkie Ruth Millington. Survivor and heroine of the 2003 BAM earthquake in Iran. Hi, I'm Ruth Millington and welcome back to another episode of the Extreme Holidays podcast. My guest today is the amazing Juana Flores Vegas. Juana was born in 1975 and is originally from Malaga in southern Spain. She's a shiatsu massage therapist and loves travelling. When she was 20 years old, she decided to come to London to learn English. London became the gateway for her to discover the world and to start travelling. But since then, she's travelled every corner of the globe, including hitching around Europe, Honduras and Nicaragua in the 1990s, just after the war when travel was still fraught with danger. She's also worked as an NGO in India and Guatemala and lived in an environmental community in Nimbin. In 2000, she cycled around Spain, France, Germany and Switzerland. Her new discovery, though, was in 2010, sailing, and this is the extreme story she'll be sharing with us today. So, without further ado, let's travel the world together. coming on my show hello you have a fascinating life traveling story before we get into your story can you tell me a little bit more about yourself and what inspires you to travel always i was in my village i remember people passing and tourists and norway i was like where are these people going and and then i think just looking people passing just I say I want to discover something else than Malaga my village. Now in 2000 you first discover sailing boats had you ever been on a boat before? Uh, no no uh, uh, this is started because um, uh, cycling I met um, a friend and he used to have a boat a little boat seven meter and then I told him, like, oh, I would like to go one day around the world cycling. And he told me about, oh, there are people, they do that um, on a sailing boat. I have a sailing boat. If you want to come with me, I need crew so I can teach you how to sail. And then I start sailing with him, and I like it. I enjoy it. Um, I learned how to sail. And after two years, I decided to, to go. And where did you first start going? Uh, first, I went to, I crossed the Atlantic from Canary to, to Guadalupe. It's a French island in the Caribbean. Um, I, I went to, to the Canary Island, to Las Palmas, and there is a very big port, very big marina, where all the boats, they stop there, and then they take the 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 wind the um the trade wind to go to America. So all of all of the boat they do like Cristobal Colón did or Christopher Colón he did 
he went to from Spain to Canary and then Canary to Caribbean, Caribbean America. And was that your inspiration for going those routes? Was a friend she did already. I met this friend in, in sailing as well. So she told me she did that, and then I saw oh, maybe it could be interesting for me to do it because. After some time, when you are selling always in the same place in Malaga Coast, it's a little bit get a little bit boring. So you want to do something else, and I wanted to do something else. So yeah, I decided to go just to discover the Caribbean. It's called the Pequeñas Antillas, the small Antilles. And then I was like, oh, maybe this could be nice. And yeah, what's the attraction of sailing to you? The attraction is the the wind. It's like when I'm sailing and I feel uh, you feel pushing for the wing. I think it's something very, um, very good, very nice. Uh, made you made me feel very free when when I see I I'm moving from one place to other place with water and wing. I think that is a great thing. It's amazing. Your big trip has been in 2017, where you decided to go sail around the world. Can you tell me what the motivation was to sail? You know, before you did small journeys, this was a big journey. Now, what was the motivation? The first time when I went to Guadalupe, and then uh, I, I I saw, oh, this is I really like it. I I like very very much. And then I discovered it was not difficult to do it, and it was not dangerous, and I found they are very nice people. And then when once I was there in Guadalupe, and then I went to Martinique, and then to, to Dominique, and like that, one island to other island, and meeting very, very nice people, and I, I start to meet people who they say, oh, no, no, we go to Panama, and after Panama, we go to French Polynesia, and then we go to New Zealand, and then we go here, and when, then we go to Fiji. And then I say, why are I going to stay only here in the Caribbean? Why, why don't go a bit further, no? Why don't go to Panama? And I start, like, slowly, slowly everything. The motivation is once I was there and I start to meet people, people are doing things, give, give me ideas. Now, I, I noticed that you said it's not dangerous, but... To a lot of people listening in, the thought of being a boat on the high seas out in some massive ocean is quite a scary thought. That's never has that ever crossed your mind, or is it something you just thrive on? Yeah, that passed in my mind. But um, if me always, I think both are make it uh, to float, not to sink. I remember it before I decided to go the first time, I, I was making my own uh, movie myself in my brain, like, oh, it's going to be dangerous, maybe the captain is going to throw me over the boat, or maybe, I don't know, many things could happen. Or, and, and then nothing happened. To say, like, you have to one window to cross the Atlantic, so if you use that window, it's going to be safe. Or if you don't use that window, you go after or before, could be dangerous because you can find a big stone or hurricane or something. But if you go inside the windows, I, it's, it's okay. It's very bad luck if, if the boat where you are uh, sink. The world trip in 2017. Did you sail solo or were you hopping on boats? 
I was hopping in boat. I go to the marinas and I ask to the people if they need crew to go to the places. And then there are websites, so through some website, people they need crew. Uh, now the captain say, oh, I need crew, so I use that website to find the boat. And I started in Malaga in 2017, when I decided to go around the world. In one boat, we were five people in about 17 meters. We took this boat from Malaga to Guadalupe, and then from Guadalupe to, to Santa Lucia, San Lucie or Santa Lucia. I took other different boats. So once I was in Guadalupe, I started to ask in the marina to the people, oh, excuse me, I need to go to Santa Lucia, because in Santa Lucia there was a catamaran from an American couple. They were waiting for me already because I contacted them through internet, through the website. But I didn't have any boat from Guadalupe to, to, to Santa Lucia, and then I started to ask to people. And then I found a, a Swedish guy with his little boat, and he said, oh, yes, I go that direction, I can tell you. Ruth Millington's Extreme Holidays Podcasts. Life-changing stories and adventures from the world's intrepid holidaymakers and travellers. Now, some of the boats that you've been on when you've been sailing the world have been quite small. I think you mentioned to me one was about 11 metres. What's it like being on such a small boat? The longest crossing what I did was from Panama to, to Las Marquesas, uh, the Pacific Ocean. And this was the, this boat. And we were only the captain and me. We were only two people. And I never thought to go only two people on the boat. But things happened. And the captain, he was very nice and everything. I said, OK, why not? And then in the space, for us, you get used to, to a small space. For me, it was OK. I, I, I went in other small boat. It wasn't that good because this boat had many things broken, the sailing broken, the engine. So it was a bit uncomfortable. The the autopilot it was broken as well. So that was a bit uncomfortable. But it, if in the boat everything is working and the space is okay, like like it's a small, but it's not that small. You get used to. What's the best place that you've ever sailed? Um, French Polynesia. I think it's very beautiful. And all, all the Polynes. And what, what's the ocean like there? The uh, French Polynes, they have a different kind of, of island. Some of them, they are atoll. So it's like the like million years ago, there was a volcano, and, and then the coral grow up in the volcano, in the top of the volcano. So now the island is like uh, uh, circular, and you have one entry. So you are in the middle of the Pacific and you have all the big waves of the Pacific and you can go inside the island and it's a big lagoon and very quiet lagoon with Turkish water and many fishes and it's very, very peaceful. It's like in the middle of the ocean, you know, and sometimes it's just a reef. You can see the reef and then the little island just in the middle. And the people, the people is very hospitality as well. So sometimes the places can be beautiful, but if the, peop if the people are beautiful as well, they are, they are very hospitality and generous. That made the difference of the places. Is sailing a boat hard work? 
Sometimes, yes, because with two people, you don't have much free time, a lot of free time. So sometimes when you don't sleep and then you have bad seat, it's, it's, it's not that comfortable and start to be a bit annoyed. It's very grateful when you arrive to the places in a sailing boat. Do the oceans ever get boring? No, no. To be in the, in the ocean, in the middle of the ocean, is, is very beautiful, even when it's only water like my father say he say oh where are you going you are going to see every day water wherever you look I say yes but they are they are amazing uh, sunset amazing sunrise always different color in the sky you can see all in the nighttime all full stars and and always the the sea have different colors as well um, I think when I'm in the ocean I learn how to to look, to observe around me, I, I don't get bored. It's always, it's always something to do on the boat because you can, you can cook, you can clean, you can do whatever, you can breathe. And then if sometimes just look to the sea and it's, it's amazing. Have you ever been in a big storm? Yeah. And, and how was that? Were you frightened? In the beginners, yes. When my cousin uh, called me, Juana, Juana, and then I had to go very fast, uh, take the life jacket and the raincoat and just go and start try to take it, the, the sail, the small sails, and, and I couldn't see with the water, all the water in my face and the, the stone, the light stone. You know, all white and the boat. You could see like one side, the other side, and the main, the main sail going to one place, to other place. I was like, "Oh my god! <laughs> oh my god! What is this?" And then I start to do the sink, the the things. No, like try to take the, you know, my my work, and 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 then just wait for the stone go. Where did that happen? That happened uh, between Cuba and Panama. It was like 20 miles before Cayman Island. They have a, we have a very big stone with uh, more than 50 knots of wind. How high were the waves? I cannot say because it was in the night time. I, <laughs> I couldn't see the wave, but I could see how the boat yeah, went to one side, the other side. And when there is a big stone, uh, the, boat, the captain has to put the, the boat uh, surfing the wave. And I remember we lost um, one of the one sail because we have a spinnaker we have uh, outside of the dinghy, and then this sail was to the sea, and, and I tried to pull, and I remember the sea was pulling me, so I was like like this, and then I just leave it because I, I saw it, and I couldn't see the way, but it could be four meters or something like that. Were you sick as a result being on these high seas? I mean, sort of being in a you know, in a big storm, the boat's rocking. No, no, in that moment. But after, I guess it's sickness when when I don't sail for a long time, and then the first day or second day, I feel like my body is a big wheel. But after two, three days, the body gets used to, to the sea, to the movement of the sea, so it's okay. Do you think having worked as an NGO in some of the poorest countries in the world... And having travelled so much and done such adventurous things and diverse things, it's helped you cope with 
surviving on a boat? I don't know. Could be. Or do you think it's part of you naturally? You're, you're just one of these people that you can be thrown into any situation and you will adapt. Yeah, I think so. I, I think uh, maybe uh, all humans um, can do that. I mean, can get used to and they can manage the situation. Uh, it's, it's, it's your life. So Now, as a form of travel, it's pretty extreme. You're on these high seas. Do you consider yourself brave? Um, mm, no. <laughs> A little bit, but not much. I mean, um, I think I, I'm brave to do it, but I think there are, there are more people more brave, like people who they go in solo. Um, I met a guy, he was, he had um, a problem with his back, uh, I don't remember the illness, what he had, and he was sailing all, he was sailing from, from Belgium to French Polynesia by himself, he was like 60 years old, and every, everything, everything was much more difficult for him, and he was doing it, he said that was his dream, and, and before he died he wanted to do that, and I think for me, that is uh, brave. Because me, me, I go from one boat to the other and I don't have that responsibility that Captain has, for example. And this guy, he have it. You're very modest, but um, I think a lot of people listening in now will be thinking, you know, you're on these high seas and there's probably two or three of you on the boat. That's pretty brave stuff to endure, especially in a big storm. Now, for anyone who is wanting to do this type of sailing or if they want to go sailing around the world, what tips would you give them? I would say to go to the marinas near to them and try to learn a little bit how to sail. Or just go. You can go to the Canary and it's full of boats. They need crew. And sometimes, if you don't know anything about sailing, they, they help. What are you planning for your next sailing trip? Uh, wait for the Kobe Pass. And, and then I would like to finish my around the world because I stopped in Indonesia. So... I would like to cycle from here to Indonesia and then from Indonesia get the boat and, and come back to, to Europe and finish. How long do you think that will take? In the sailing boat, maybe depends. If we take the route South Africa, it will take like six months. And if we take the route from uh, the Suez Canal, which that way is going to be like three months. Ruth Millington's Extreme Holidays Podcasts. Life-changing stories and adventures from the world's intrepid holidaymakers and travellers. Okay, now we come to the quick far question round where I ask my guests a set of questions about their travel choices. Juana, are you ready? Yes. Mountains or oceans? Can I say both? <laughs> because it's difficult to choose. Long haul or short haul? Long haul, long haul. Favourite place? Um, Nepal. What's the worst place you've ever been to? I don't think I have any worst place. Like all the place has something good. Apart from the clothes on your back, what is the one thing you always take with you whilst travelling? Socks. Where would you go back to? 
I will go back to to Polynesia, to Polynes. Where would you love to go to? There are so many places where I would love to 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 go. I still still some. I would love to go back to New Zealand and Philippines. Um, would love to go to Tibet. Do you like to travel solo with friends or family? Normally solo. What's the longest period of time you have ever travelled for? Two years. If there is one thing you could change about travelling, what would it be? I think travelling is part of my life now. I don't think I would change anything. Thanks so much, Juana, for coming on the show. You are one incredibly brave woman, even though you don't seem to think that. And I'm sure there are many listeners on this podcast in immense awe at hearing your extreme story. So thank you very much. Thank you. And to all those listening in, this is the end of today's show. Thank you so much for joining me on my Extreme Holidays podcast. If you are enjoying this podcast, then it would be wonderful if you could leave a rating or review on your podcast app. To find out who's joining me on the next episode, come and find me on Instagram. I'm at Ruth Millington Author. You can also find me on Twitter at Ruth Millington One. I'll be back next episode with more life-changing and adventure travel stories. To hear future episodes as soon as they are released, don't forget to hit the subscribe button and thanks for listening. been listening to a Ruth Millington Extreme Holidays podcast. Extreme stories from extraordinary destinations as told by intrepid world travellers. Find out more at ruthmillingtonauthor.com or search online using Ruth Millington Extreme Holidays. Ruth Millington's Extreme Holidays podcast is sponsored by HelpYouFind.me, a secure yet simple way to share private data for use in emergency situations that is end-to-end, encrypted and accessible only by you and the people you choose to share it with. Perfect for the extreme traveller. Find out more at HelpYouFind.me forward slash extreme 10 and get a 10% discount when you sign up. Details are also in the show notes.